poetry is just like it's like an extension of your emotions and we're always constantly changing as people so your poetry is always going to constantly change like what you wrote at that time it's like a little snapshot Yes, yes, yes. You're listening to the Word Spoken Podcast, the poetry podcast which brings you the best. I'm your host, Henry. How are we doing? This is 35, episode 35 even, people. Um, and I'm excited we've kind of got this far. We've got Bexy Bex coming onto the show, who was an absolute pleasure to have on. Um, before I tell you a little bit about her, though, couple of things. I have quite a lot of people kind of send me a message asking, how can I feature on your show or send me in their work? Well, look, this is the opportunity. I'm currently running a competition. What I'm uh, asking you to do is to send in an audio recording of your poetry, of your spoken word to wordspokenpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to flick through and have a listen to every single one that has entered and the winners will have their poetry featured on a very special open mic episode coming up called Take the Mic. Um, If you've seen the Instagram post, you would have seen all this. But yeah, just a reminder, the deadline is Sunday, the 27th of September. So please uh, feel free to send in your work. I would love to hear it. Um, So yeah, please do that. We've got Bexy Bex. Coming on to the show, uh, we hear three fantastic pieces, um, Silence, Ten Things, and then finally Tribute. Um, Bexy Bex is a regular at So Far Sounds. She's a flow poet. Um, she's a very talented writer, and uh, I think you're going to really like her work. So without talking anymore, I think we should just jump on and hear the first one. The first poem we hear from the wonderful Bexy Bex is entitled Silence. I'm a child of the mother. I was born in 1994. How do I start? Poetry prescribed, pen perfectly poised. It was supposed to be you. I've always been shit at man. Was he ever scared? In this poem. Everything I want is already mine. Word Spoken Podcast. See, when it first started, when it first started, I was just, I was just a little bit sad. So I pushed it down and I stepped on it. But soon after that, a little bit sad turned into a little bit mad. So I pushed that down and I stepped on that. But then soon after that, all these feelings, they just kept piling up inside me like mountains. So I continued to step on their rocky edges to master pain. Now, stood at 50,000 feet and all I want to do is jump. I scaled these rocky edges to master pain. Stood at 50,000 feet, looking in on my life, my speech, is paralyzed on this sleepless dawn. Negative spaces held me by my palms, carrying me along cliffs, lifting my insecurities above sea level, making a freckle of my self-worth, but my cells are off this earth, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping once my body hits this ground, maybe it won't even hurt. Instead, I'm hoping that we might just reconnect and the pain will simply just disperse. I scaled these rocky edges to mask a pain. And now, now I'm stood side by side with suicide, suspended, soaring on embankments, reciting poems that allow me to say everything I need without having to say anything at all, bleed everything I need without any of the pain of having to relive it all, because before... You know, before I figured if no one could really hear me, then did I even really fall? But now, now I wish, I wish I could dance my thoughts across the monotone waves this wind has curated from your essence. I wish my keynotes could speak a music into my speech, into my spoken word in this world where actions speak louder than words. Instead, these negative spaces held me by my palms as we shook the hands of shadows. And I clocked the noon that dialed in on my thoughts, calling me in to this beautiful darkness. It was like, it was like sunsets with broken moons. And it spoke, it spoke with such a violent calmness as it handed me his tools. And now, now my speech lingers in cylinders. It teeters on this nine millimeter covered in gunpowder residue, a silence smothered in the 30% industry rises in gunpowder revenues. I can smell it. 
as it simmers on my fingers. See, the pitch of my voice is held in the choice of your aim. So maybe this is the only way you will hear me stood on cliffs this high. I bet the forever sound of my cry will echo in every gunshot round. I apply, I, I scale these rocky edges to mask a pain. Reciting poems that allow me to say everything I need without having to say anything at all Because the more I breathe life into these lines and attempt to line up my life in one breath It grants me just enough space to tame this anger in the name of projection I should have let my keynote speak a music into my speech, into my spoken word Instead this silence sits and clicks on the stutters that drip from this slip My silence tongue slipped and tripped on its own spit Now every horrible word that I ever grabbed from your lips are laying heavy on my lids, paying levy to a feeling that I'm afraid can now never be undid. Because it's ironic how you never really saw me until I closed my eyes. So there we go. That was Bexy Bex with a wonderful piece entitled Silence. Um, thank you very much for coming on and performing that piece. Um, how are you doing, Bexy Bex? Are you doing all right? I mean, I really hate that question. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. I never know how to answer. It's like, it depends when you ask me. It's kind of a non-question, isn't it, really? Maybe, maybe I should think of some more inventive ways to kind of kick things off slightly. Um, look, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, so uh, we, I remember we first, I first spoke to you about all this, obviously, um, a while ago now. And then and this thing happened, didn't it? So... We weren't able to do it up until now, but uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. So yeah, thank you for p- performing that first piece. Um, so I think, uh, first of all, uh, we let's have a little chat about mm-hmm. your um, Instagram page and your website, which is called Bedroom Poetry. Mm-hmm. So give the listeners a little kind of like insight into kind of what, what that is and mm. what they can expect from it. Um, well, okay, so the website shameless plug www.bedroompoetry.com um it's called bedroom poetry but i don't do erotic poetry like you'll be surprised how many times i have to make that distinction like no sorry that's not what you came here for (laughs) um so yeah the whole premise is like basically um my bedroom is like my safe space um i'm very much introverted and it's where my my imagination can leak into reality so that's where all the magic happens. Excuse the fun. <laughs> yeah, so that's where all the magic happens. And I feel like it's it's my safe space. And yeah, that that's So on 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 the kind of web website and stuff, you have a couple of poems, you have some it's also like built really nicely. Like I think it's a really kind of cool um space. Um yeah. which you've kind of created. And I think it's something when I was flicking through it earlier it kind of made me realize why why isn't why isn't everyone why isn't every poet doing this why doesn't everyone have this kind of like online uh, like accessible um website where they can put up all their stuff like because it it, was it an idea that you kind of had from someone else that you've seen or like when did you start it um i actually started it because like I, i i wanted instagram but i didn't want to create a separate page but I still wanted my poetry to be, have an online presence. And especially when you're trying to get like corporate gigs or like more business-like gigs, they're like, what's your website? And I'm like, I, I don't have one. <laughs> so it, it, ba- it basically was built out of a necessity. Um, and that's how I actually got into so far based on that website that I built. And I feel like, I feel like poets don't have it because it's expensive. It's really literally expensive. Like if if you can get a one-off website, one-off payment, amazing. But what I use is I use Squarespace, which is like a monthly rental fee. So it all adds up eventually. So, mm. so yeah, I guess yeah. you've got to kind of have them gigs coming in. For yeah, it to, 100%. For it to be um, so uh, you are, of course, a flow poet. I think you're the, you're the third flow poet we've had on this show. Um, so how long ago did you get involved with the flow poets? Um, I would say it's probably been about a year, about, about a year now. So um, I got 
a, a WhatsApp from the one and only late, the lyricist, <laughs> <laughs> inviting me to um, Hastings. And I was like, of course, poets in a house overnight? Of course, I'm there. <laughs> and then it just kind of like snowballed from there. So it's like, it's been an amazing year. And like, I'm in a group with like some of the best poets in London. Like, I couldn't ask for anything better. Like, it really propelled my my love and it really cemented my purpose for poetry because before I was like yeah I do words Mm, I'm a poet but then when I joined the flow poets I was like yeah poetry is my purpose Mm. I think it's it's um it's an amazing group of people that have you know some serious talent (laughs) like there's Mm -hmm. no doubt about that and um and I and I think what like uh maybe this is something you you can kind of comment on more but what it seems to provide um the members with is a kind of like a bit of a bit of a business head to the art to the art form like you know like a some kind of skills to actually really get the most out of this skill which we have you know like it's it's just having a bit of a kind of clearer mindset on how you can really turn it into something where you're really making ways with stuff is that like would that be something that you would agree um yeah i definitely agree um but i would say that is like um it's like a secondary benefit to it so Mm. like the the primary like the foundation of flow poets is literally poets coming together to write so like how it started is like we would do um flow weekenders so like everyone would come together and it wasn't there was no pressure to create something new there was no pressure to like oh you have to have a poem to perform and blah 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 it was just literally enjoying the art of creating Mm. and then they just so happened to be a studio downstairs if you wanted to create something if you wanted to record it amazing but like the premise is just to get people writing Mm. and get people connecting with themselves and actually exploring why they're doing what they do yeah and it um clearly works right because because what ends up kind of coming out of it is um some collab like you guys work with one another to make some kind of music of course like woodsy put out that album um like a little while back called happy place which was really great and had all the flow poets come on and like it was um yeah i just think it's really cool and i think uh it's a kind of model of um things that we should actually be seeing more of like there should be i mean there are there's obviously poetry collectives and stuff but i kind of i just feel like everyone should be a part of one you know if you're kind of in if you're doing spoken word and you're into this art form like you connect in a more kind of like productive way with the people that all that Mm. are around you right because there's there's some serious talent and i think like combining all those different ingredients makes a lovely pie <laughs> i was coming up with that metaphor and I was thinking, should i say pie <laughs> she makes a lovely Always pie. i was gonna say cake and i was like nah i want to i want to i want a savory <laughs> savory item here um yeah no i definitely agree mm. i feel like like i love poetry collectives but i love the flow poets more because it's not a collective it's like a family mm. so like we actually connect it's like finding your soul tribe so yeah Right. Um, so how long have you been writing? Have you pretty much been writing since you were a little kid or is it something that you came to a little bit later in life? Um, it's going to sound very cliche, but I was writing before I could read. <laughs> I was writing before I was war. I was writing in the room. Yeah. I was like, mum, I, I, I need a pen. He was like, no. what are all these feelings inside me? I need to let them out. <laughs> no, but really, so you're from, from a very, very young age. Then, yeah, yeah, from from an absolutely young age. Um, What I wrote didn't always make sense because obviously I'm three years old, but... <laughs> you really I've, write at three? I'm maybe exaggerating for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds good so yeah, let's know. just run with that like i'm cool so like pretty much <laughs> as soon as you could put pen to page yeah you were kind of doing your own stuff you had that like natural instinct mm-hmm. but yeah so it started off with um because I'm, I'm a big dreamer so i always kept a dream journal and then from the dream journal it turned into novels and then i realized it's like oh wait you can't get onto a stage and like read a novel for like 20 minutes because people will fall asleep so then I started writing poetry so I'll condense my stories into three minute poems and then that's how poetry came about mm-hmm. but like I was very much like a novel writer really from a really young age so you, you did you we wanted this oh, not at that, the age like, of three <laughs> yeah 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 I know I know no but like did you kind of love English then was that kind of your thing at school right because because um like 
Oh, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, that, that happens every now and then. Um, so, cause quite a lot of the people that I've kind of met on the scene and the people that have kind of come on the show, um, actually either tend to get into spoken word a little bit later in life. And then also, um, had a kind of real disliking for creative writing as a child, like, and, and definitely with poetry, like how mm. that was kind of taught in schools and what I was, uh, what I, for example, was, exposed to as a child from the kind of creative writing world was just so uninspiring <laughs> right so it's kind of really cool to kind of uh speak to someone that kind of genuinely just had that natural instinct um what 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 was the first poem you can remember writing can you, is, is there one that you can think of from your kind of childhood mm, years mm. like i i wasn't writing poetry in my childhood years like mm. i only started writing poetry probably I'm going to say 20, may have to look at my Instagram, but <laughs> it was, it was 2012, 20, 2008 to 2012 mm-hmm. within that um, time frame. So that was when I actually started writing poetry. And uh, the first piece I ever wrote was, um, was Dear Lady, which is on my website. And it was very much a letter to someone that I knew. So <laughs> did that person get to hear the, hear the letter? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I might send them the link. <laughs> okay, great. So um, what what I really like about your kind of style is you um, have a very kind of like soft way of saying things, right? Your, your like vocal tone is really like kind of... Uh, the word I was going to think of was crispy, but I don't know whether that's the right word. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's very kind of delicate and 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 raw but then you also tend to kind of play with humor as well as like more serious stuff all in the same time and i think it all it all kind of blends into a really nice little um combo so uh with that in mind tell us a little bit about the second piece that you're going to be performing for us on the show which is called 10 things Mm, um yeah it's called that's the shortened version like the full title is actually called 10 things that I learned about eight different men after five Instagram dates, two number blocks and one number change. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just thinking if I, on on the video with the title card, if I had to put that, (laughs) I mean, everyone would 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 have to get their specs out. Um, But, (laughs) but I think this uh, next piece is a prime, primary example of you kind of using your humor a little bit. Um, Yeah. Did you, um, when, when like did you write this? Um, so the piece is actually, um, inspired by my mother. Um, and it's based on the Craig David song, Seven Days. Um, my mom is not Craig David. <laughs> I realized just how that sounds. Um, so like when I was, when I was younger, like we, we didn't really date. Like it's just not a thing that happened in my household. Um, but now obviously I'm on level three in my thirties and my mom is like, where is your husband? I'm like, that's very contradictory mother because I wasn't allowed to date. So now it's like, how do you expect me to find him? (laughs) Um, so yeah, so it's just basically, um, an ode to all of the men that I've dated. And then I just kind of like put together a, a dating one-on-one guidebook on, (laughs) on men and what I've learned from them. The unsuccessful ones, obviously. (laughs) What did you make of like, Craig and this is a few years back now but Craig David's like kind of comeback because he went away for a while didn't he and then he came back with some like baseline tunes like about three or four years back were you into the new Craig I did not know that he came back what yeah he's back <laughs> he had that tune which he did didn't he do a tune with like Big Big Nasty or something I'm, I'm very much trapped in the 90s so <laughs> yeah. anything that I love there I just want to protect it yeah <laughs> like I, I don't want to dilute it with anything else i mean i wouldn't blame you like the comeback wasn't i don't know it was great because no he went on do you not remember it? he ended he ended up like i guess like the like the like the pinnacle for him but he was um he came on to like love love island did like a little private set when they were no, all in the villa and was like yeah i'm back and it's like oh mate you were really good and now you're on love island no. That is not crazy. You missed that. I know. I think maybe <laughs> just stay stay in the night. Stay in the nineties. Okay, cool. Well, look. Um, let's jump on and hear your second piece. Um, I really, really like this piece. So yeah, thanks for performing it for us. This is the wonderful Bexy Bex with, well, that very long title, but I'm just going to call it Ten Things. Okay, so I really feel like I feel like Craig David sold us a dream. 
because it seems for me like I had this I had this really shit day on a Monday right I mean the tinder one was even worse on a Tuesday now I had learned a lot by Wednesday so after Thursday and Friday and Saturday I I cried on Sunday but to be honest to be honest I would definitely do it all over again because you see, after my dating spree, I, I learned quite a few valuable things about men. Like, never ever, never ever flick them in the forehead unless you want to start a fight. See, they have feelings too, so be kind. Do not use a humor-colored paintbrush thick enough to deliberately color outside of his ego lines. Do not test him. And if you're just venting, do not expect him to simply just sit there and say nothing because they tend to work on this like really mysterious thing called logic, meaning they will try and problem solve every single topic. So do not ask him questions. You know, you do not want any real answers to. But if you do, do not get defensive when his responses do very little to pamper to you and your needs. Do not blame him. Do not challenge him or belittle him. Do not make more money than him. But if you do, again, do not challenge him or belittle him. Also, also they tend to get quite upset when you constantly question where their loyalties lie. So try not to consistently ask him where he has been because he will not allow you to accuse him of things that you have never personally seen. So no matter how many times your best friend Jackie relayed it, he will never play it. So do not play with him and do not mistake his PlayStation for merely just play because it's actually really quite serious. And if it gets serious, do not cheat on him because according to a guy, and these were his words, not mine. According to a guy that I once knew, he said to me, cheating hurts men more. So try not to let another guy hit it. But if you do... Maybe only date Arsenal fans because they can somehow handle heartbreak and still stay committed. And do not make jokes about his favourite football team. Especially on a day that they have just lost. This, this is a very, very delicate line only to be crossed by his closest friends. And do not be surprised to learn that his friends are not really your friends. And try not to force your friends to be his friends either. And if you guys end up in a fight about this, do not go and take a breather or a break. But if you do, maybe mentally prepare that he might have made a mistake or two in your absence and do not burn his steak. Always, always try to season with spice. And I can't stress this enough. Never, ever undercook the jollof rice. Matter of fact, never, ever serve him anything raw other than your emotions. But in the same breath, try not to overfeed him. And when you see him in a club, do not steal his hat and run off. And when you're getting ready for that night out, try not to take too long. And don't you dare, for God's sake, ever ask him where his hairline has gone. But... Most importantly, and above all else, do not assume that any of these rules apply to anyone else, let alone the next guy you meet, because men are most definitely unique. Cool. So there we have it. Men are most definitely unique that was um a wonderful piece called 10 things by bexy bex um so yeah thank you for performing that bexy bex i've also this is bex bexy bex with bex because my surname's beckwith we should have mentioned that oh my god wow treble bex and we're drinking beer moretti damn if we had bex that would have been exceptional (laughs) wouldn't it i blame you cheers to that though (laughs) cheers Cheers to 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 the bex gang um, right look um that's a really great piece i hope you guys listening kind of you can see right she um plays with your with like the humor and then like makes you smile and then like makes you think and you just kind of like jolt the listener around and all these emotional states all at once and it's very uh it's really really great so yeah that's a great piece that's because i'm unstable <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you don't laugh you will cry yeah, we I mean, all laugh at me. <laughs> us, us, us poets are open books, right? 100%. Um, so 
I kind of want to, this is, I guess is a little bit of a, maybe a bit of a rubbish question again, but how, um, how did you find, uh, like the lack of open mic? So for the past few months, like, like not being able to kind of get up onto a stage and perform to people, um, you know, maybe writing more, but how, like, how, how did you find the past few months? Um, I feel like it came in stages. So like prior to lockdown, I was, cause like poets, they always have a nine to five and then they do poetry. So like I was literally nine to five, Monday to Friday, and then doing like three, four shows a week. So like I was burning myself out. So when it got to lockdown, I was like, oh wait, what? I don't have to do anything. So like for the first two months, I was living my best introvert life. Like honestly, I was just happy to have the break. And then um, obviously the Instagram live started up and I was hosting Mind Over Matter, which um we did quite regularly for the, so many shows over like a number of weeks. Mm. Um, so that kept me going, but I didn't miss the live shows to be honest. Um, I think because I was performing so much that I was, I didn't have any new material and I didn't have time to write. So when it came to lockdown, I was like, Oh, wait, I actually have time to write now. I can actually do stuff. And I didn't miss the performing because I'd been performing the same pieces over and over and over again. And I was like so bored of them. So um, I was happy for the break, to be honest. And it's more like project work. Mm. So, so, so do you kind of, would you say that uh, you kind of mentioned there, right? That you need, that you needed a bit of time to write. So are you someone that kind of needs a bit of downtime, like, like a bit of headspace maybe to kind of find your creative outlook, writing more? Um, is it, is, so during lockdown, were you writing a lot then? Was that? Um, I was writing mostly in probably like the second and third months. Um, it was, so like the way I write, I, I write from experiences, but because all I was doing was working and going to shows, like I had nothing to write about. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what did I do today? I went to work and I went home. So the poems were like very drab. So like when you have that space to actually sit and access your emotions and sit with your emotions and like think with your thoughts think with your thoughts because that's the thing that happens think with your thoughts <laughs> you can whack that on a t-shirt yes and you can hear that poem <laughs> <laughs> yeah um when you actually have time to like sift through all of your thoughts then i was able to write more so like my second and third month i was like i was in my element mm. And then I had nowhere to perform them afterwards. <laughs> that, I know. I guess it's a bit of a like catch 22, wasn't it? Cause I, cause I, I think that is a similar, like, like I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, like it was great, right? I had, I had all this, you know, time, no one was doing anything to kind of write, but then yeah, like it's, it's, it's almost like the full circle wasn't quite complete, wasn't it? Because mm. obviously a big part of the process is finding that headspace, getting pen to page, like writing something and then memorizing it and learning it and being like, okay, no, that one's good. And, but, but you need that final step. Don't you? And we were all, we were all starved of that for, for, um, a very long time. And we are still, um, it's, it's, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise because it kind of made me realize it's like, oh, okay. So I can't perform it. How about I record it? How about you start working on projects? How about you like start to like um experiment with your creative art form? So like, yeah, we're poets and we speak, but there's other ways to express poetry. So it, it gave you time to like kind of explore other avenues mm. apart from live. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. We were kind of forced to kind of think about, okay, well, what, what, what can we do now? Did you get involved with any of like the virtual nights or did you kind of try and avoid those? <laughs> I, I had like a very strong insomniac period. So like there was a lot of, um, American poetry shows mm. on at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And I'm like, oh my God, all of these poetry lives that I never get to go through, like, in physical form, I can access them on Instagram. So like, I, I blame Karina Latoya Lawrence, to be honest. Like she sent me a couple of lives and then I was hooked from there. And you like there. every morning, like 4am, I'm on like my little phone like this. And my housemates are like, are you on poetry? And I was like, yes. They're like, you know, it's 4am. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that though. Late night commitment to the cause. 
Um, what what like kind of night? What were a couple of those events like? What were they called? Um, so there's the poets' playground, um, the poetry lounge, and then there's at dbl underscore img. He actually did twenty four hours of poetry. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that was it. That was the one that Karine yes. Karine sent me, and I was just hooked from there. It was amazing. Now I, I like clocked on. To, I mean, I didn't do the full stint, but I did clock on to that. And I was like, whoa, okay, okay. These guys aren't playing. Um, yeah, it was, I guess, yeah, this has kind of come up like a small bit, but there, I felt that like there were pros and cons to the virtual scene, right? Obviously yes. pro being, you could do that. All these other things, everything was online. Didn't matter where you were in the world, you could join in. But yeah, con was... <laughs> just wasn't people (laughs) it was was very saturated like i would go on at like 7 a.m and there's like five little notifications saying live 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 oh yeah it's 7 a.m guys like calm down all those first stories and everyone sings was like oh my god so much to choose from um okay cool so look let's uh are you ready Mm -hmm. for the 155 challenge yeah (laughs) Yes. <laughs> do you know what? I think you're gonna um, do pretty well here. So let's play one five five. One five five is the part of the show where we challenge our guests to a quick fire free write. The rules are as follows: you've got one minute fifty five to write a piece about a word you pick out from the box right in front of you as a prompt. You have, as I said, one minute fifty five to complete this task. After which you solemnly swear, Bexy Bex, to read whatever it is out loud. Do you solemnly swear to read it out loud? You have to promise before you choose the word. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in order to play, grab the little word spoken box in front of you. I call it the word spoken box because, yes, I put a sticker on it, as you can see. Give that a quick little shake and let's see what words we have for you to write about. Yeah, in fact, it's the word spoken Tupperware, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, you pick one up and uh, I can take the box from you and then you read out whatever word we have. There, there are some weird ones. On some? Okay, I feel like they're all this weird. Oh, okay. Pizza. Pizza. Honestly. Okay. Honestly. <laughs> Pizza. You, you just have to use it as a prompt, right? So look, grab the little book in front of you. I thought this was going to be easy. It, 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 trust me. I like, I, in order to like prep for this, I did this a couple of times and like, I learned that it's not. So like mad respect. <laughs> So you can just use pizza as a prompt. Um, the other thing I'm going to say, just to remind everyone, that if you want to play along at home, um, get out a pen, get out a piece of paper or use your phone, whatever you're doing, and just free write. I want to know what you guys can come up with in this very, very short space of time. Send in your entries to the Word Spoken Podcast DM or um, Word Spoken Podcast at Gmail and one of you can, can win a mug. So, Bexy Bex, your word is pizza. Are you ready to play the 155 challenge? Mm-hmm. Good time starts now. One five five. Okay, Bexy Bex is getting on with the word pizza. So I hope you guys are as well. While she does this, we're counting down one minute fifty five. Um, I'm going to tell you a little fact about pizzas. So the atmosphere of Venus is so hot that if you took a pizza out of the freezer there, it would cook in three seconds. <laughs> okay. I should really get over my little facts. I'm aware they're like completely pointless and like a lot of nonsense, but you know, somehow I've got to fill this one minute 55. So Bexy Bex is with me with the prompt of the word pizza. Um, I reckon there were worse words in there. So let's see what she comes up with. She has pen to page. There isn't any kind of crossing out either. So this is very much like a first time thing. We're reaching the halfway stage. Just a reminder as well, everyone, play along to this, okay? If you want to win a word spoken mug, the thing right in front of me, then you can, you know, the coveted word spoken mug. Isn't that fun? We've got a very, very concentrated Betsy Bex who's writing about pizzas. <laughs> the time is coming up. She's doing a very good job, though. What I will do as well is after this time is over, give a little bit of time to kind of collate her thoughts, just have a little think about how she's going to say it, maybe read it through once in her head. Again, 
kind of close to that 10 second countdown. I'm getting stressed. Are you getting stressed? I am. <laughs> okay, the 10 second countdown is upon us. Put down your pens, Bexy Bex, and you all listening at home. Oh, she's like a naughty schoolgirl just scribbling the last little sentence. Okay. Okay. So look, that was quite a tricky prompt. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you like a little minute just to kind of read through. I do you know you might not need it because you didn't like scribble too much. You just like wrote. Which I'm, that's impressive because normally I feel like you just kind of like scribble away, but and cross things out. But I think you've done a good job. So, are you feeling in the zone? <laughs> your, your, your face is a picture right now. Yeah. Yes. You're feeling ready. Zone. Okay. So, Bexy Bex, let's hear your mm-hmm. one five five challenge with the word <laughs> pizza. Um. So, geometry was never my favorite subject. Trigonometry is not my trigger. I'm trapped in love triangles with me, myself, and I. I patiently waits at home, wondering where me has been when I comes home with lipstick on his shirt and pizza pineapple chunks on his seams. <laughs> yes, Maxi Pets. Well done. That made no sense. No, but do you know what? Is, I think that deserves a round of applause. Honestly, what, what I find so funny about this uh, little challenge is what people come up with. It's actually like, you know. See, like I was like triangle pizza chunks. <laughs> the imagery was there. Maths. I mean, I liked as well I when tried. when you said the word like when you said that you like gave me a wink like triangle pizza. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, well done. Thank you for playing the one five five challenge. I think you smashed that. Thank you. <laughs> so, okay, look, let's. Um, I want to have a little chat about because on your website, bedroompoetry.com, uh, I noticed that there's a little clip up there of you performing at So Far Sounds. Now, So Far Sounds are things which I love so much. Such a shame they're not happening right now. Um, how long ago did you get involved with So Far and like when was the first time you did that? Um, so I believe like my first performance was July 2019. Um, so it, it, it's, it's been a long time and I've done quite a few performances, but like every performance is so different mm. and like I've never been to the same venue twice and I absolutely love it. Um, it's such a great space for creatives. Um, and it's kind of like, it was strange as a poet going into like a music dominated space. Everyone's like, Oh no, I came here for music. You, you're a poet. What are you going to do? And I'm like, ha ha, convert you. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. You know what? <laughs> like I, like, I like think that does happen because from my understanding and I will, um, I stand to be corrected here, but um, so far sounds, and well, for people that don't know it, it's it's basically, it's kind of uh, gigs in a private setting. So they could be in someone's house, in a shop, in a warehouse, they literally could, could be anywhere. You don't know who is going to be on the lineup. You just turn up and there's three acts um, and you sit on the floor, eat hummus and, uh, well, you don't have to eat hummus, but uh, you know, it's, it's, recommended. A, it's a very nice chilled vibe um, and you see three performances. Now, from what I understand, it was only music right it was only a music thing but from the last few that i had been to was always a spoken word artist mm-hmm. was did, is, was that something like when was that something they started to push as they realized like it kind of actually broke up the night a little bit or like how, when like when like, do you think that switch happened um from what i know is like I, I think it kind of like happened by accident so like one of the artists was they were a musician, but like they did like a poetry piece and it was kind of like, oh, this kind of like breaks up the vibe. So they'll have a musician, a poet and a musician just mm. to kind of like give that balance. And like basically music is poetry in, in like motion. <laughs> mm. So it's like poetry with a voice. It's like poetry with a beat. Um, so it makes sense that those two would actually correlate. Mm. Yeah, I, I, um, I really miss them. Just, just that kind of vibe of those rooms. Mm. And, you know, cause what, what's great about them is 
I, I like the fact you don't know the lineup prior to going, right? You just, because it always feels like a pleasant, like pleasant surprise when, when you leave. Do you like, um, what, what does it feel like when you did it for the first time? I guess you are kind of semi-conscious of this is a music event in people's eyes and here I am doing words. What was the kind of response you had from the crowd? Like, can you remember how they kind of Oh, it was amazing. Like, I I feel like a so far crowd is like the most receptive gigs I've ever had because first and foremost, they kind of like, um, they enforce the, the silence barrier. So everyone is actually paying attention to your words. And because that, that attention and that care is there, they're like more appreciative of it. So like the result afterwards was like amazing. And like, it's like a high that I'm like, come back come back to me <laughs> um but i did feel a little bit self-conscious as a poet so i was like calling up people i was like i'm gonna be on silver sounds i need some kind of acoustic background does anyone know a guitarist does anyone know a keyboardist and i put it in the flow um flow chat and then like um samuel king recommended someone and it worked out so perfectly <laughs> <laughs> no i think it um yeah like i think it did right uh, mm-hmm. um i think that kind of music in the background really elevates uh spoken word and i think definitely to a crowd which might not have been used to going to a lot of nights right it's i like think it's a great way in Mm. for 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 someone else that kind of might not be used to like the more raw like finger snapping yeah like "Mm," type of stuff (laughs) well like i I feel like it's perfect for like the conversion of spoken word in people's heads because like so many people they automatically don't like poetry even though they've never been to a poetry night yeah so it's like, you don't like poetry, but once you hear it, okay, now I like it. Yeah, so like, I, th- I think you're right. A hundred percent. Why like, do you think, why, why do you think there is that perception and why do you think that happens? Um, I think it's like what you mentioned earlier about the education of poetry mm. and the whole image surrounding poetry. So um, the platform so far sounds, it kind of like breaks down that stereotype of Ooh, look at me I'm in my feelings <laughs> look yeah. at my life oh my life is so whoa yes. it kind of like breaks that down it's just like it's real people talking about stuff that's relevant it's just we don't have music and like I got to a point where I was like I don't even need a guitarist anymore and then I was just doing acoustic actual poetry at so far sound shows and people still appreciated it as much so like yeah yeah I think it's definitely a place for people to get Con- converted and we need mm-hmm. we need more of that <laughs> i guess don't we because it is we're still an underground scene i think really you know in like in in the grand scheme of things and mm-hmm. um those i think so far perhaps more than any kind of music event has really pushed spoken word to to to, to sit on a level playing field right with other with with music i think it's yeah it's, it's something we should all like cherish and like be grateful for um Right, so look, uh, tell us a little about, bleh, let me start that again. A little about, I, mean, okay. <laughs> I can do that. a little bit about the third and final piece we're going to hear from you called Tribute. Um, so as the title denotes, it is a tribute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wrote it during lockdown and um, it's like I've, I've had this constant thing where like my father is like the best human being that I've ever known. So, so I like, just dropped my pen. <laughs> That's how great he is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, my father's like the best human being I've ever known. And I've struggled ever since I started writing poetry. It's like, I want to write a poem about him. Um, And I still don't think I've been successful, but this is the first poem that I've ever actually finished to completion. Um, So he passed away in 2005. And like, I wrote this like Easter, Easter time. Like, oh my God. 2020 has gone so fast. Did oh, we even celebrate Easter? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I might have had a chocolate egg or like, two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like um, the anniversary of his death like fell on Easter Friday and I was like, okay, cool. And then I wrote this piece as a tribute, but it's not the final piece about him. This mm. is just like the prelude to the wonderful man that he was. <laughs> One of the things um, I think you mentioned to me off air is you, you almost feel like a poem is never finished. Would oh, you yeah. say it's a, this is one of those prime examples, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent fully. Um, 
yeah, it's 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 never going to be finished, and I'm probably going to change it. So if you're listening to it now, um, enjoy. If you're listening to it like a year later, <laughs> if it's now 2021 and you're listening to this podcast, this poem is completely different. <laughs> no, I like that. I think it's something. Um, like I, I think it's good practice to kind of never, never feel like a poem is done, and to kind of seal it off and like wrap it away. I mean, I'm, one of the reasons like I kind of do tend to do that myself mm. is because like I've memorized it, right? So in my brain, that flow, like you almost don't when you really memorize something, right? You don't, you don't think think about it. Like you can be really drunk and it will just come out. Like do you know what I mean? It just flows out and. Um, mm. I just feel like I don't know whether my brain can handle like version four. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, but I feel like um, poetry is just like, it's like an extension of your emotions and we're always constantly changing as people. So your poetry is always going to constantly change. Like what you wrote at that time, it's like a little snapshot. But if you wanted to write that piece again, it would be completely different a year later because your emotions and where you're at is a completely different space. Mm. So uh, the poem will change. No, yeah, you're right. Well, look, um, let's hear this piece because I genuinely think it's brilliant um, and it's written really well and you perform it really well. So let's hear it. Um, This is Bexy Bex with the third and final piece we're going to hear from her entitled Tribute. As a kid, as a kid, whenever I got angry, my father, my father, he always taught me to Take a deep breath and count backwards from ten, nine. So maybe it's no surprise that nowadays I always seem to be one step behind like I ate. Seven, if it really is on earth as it is in heaven, I wonder if the heavens spin anti-clockwise around hell like six, six, shit. How do I turn this wine back into water? How do I breathe your laughter and make smiles from your footsteps? Have you ever seen a rose bleed to death with its own thorns? How do I reconnect to this third dimension when it's made of broken liquids? How do I make arms long enough to hug all four corners of my commitments when when I can't even commit to your memory? Because like, when it comes to the anniversary of your death, I don't really like to talk about it much, let alone write a poem every single year. But it would appear that this time around April 10th, It falls on Easter Good Friday, so I figured, I figured what better time to resurrect you? I'll have to admit, there have been times in the past where I've actually forgotten the date, which really makes it sound quite rotten. But considering the state that I was in when they first told me that you passed away, I mean, like, it was like, what, mid-morning on a Sunday? And there were just so many people packed into this tiny four-bedroom house that by the time that I had sifted through all of the crying and confusion and lifted masks off the ones that were lying and using this news to feign our affection for us. I didn't know whether it had been 12 hours or 11, but it really took that one second for everything to actually sink in. And now, now I make a goldfish of your memory. And I cherish the five seconds where for a moment I forget that you're dead and I think that you're alive and sitting next to me and I feel like you can see me, but I'm still scared to speak to him. So easily my voice is lost between his frequencies. I, I'm rarely the person to ask for other people's opinions, for fear of replacing mine with theirs, for fear of having their stares pour into me and my independence forced out of me as if it were water in glass jars being held under open taps. It feels, it feels like I'm wrapped in this backward tide. Have you ever known the tide? to take its instructions from the sun and have you ever sung in your neighbor's tongue and felt their sound waves on your fingertips felt their pain in your wrists see these wrists these wrists are so limp that i don't make it all the way through your instagram stories sometimes these arms these arms they barely make it halfway out of the duvet at times and uh, i feel like i feel like my mind rests on these cotton sheets made of metal and I'm continuously falling and falling into you feels like leaning on marshmallow walls that know nothing of funny bones which is really quite frustrating because I'm like literally the funniest person that I know like on my good days on my good days I feel like 
I can exist on two planes. I am both Morpheus and Agent Smith. I am that blue pill that you read about. And my good days, on my good days, my thoughts are very tactical. There's this magical geometry in the way my brain lays it out and maps it all into this picture perfect kind of beautiful. And a picture can tell a thousand words. And some of those words, some of those words, they kind of shape my bad days. And on my bad days, on my bad days, my thoughts are quite theatrical. A heavy pain gets buried deep inside my clavicle, making hunchbacks of this dame so it's easier to shield my shame and hug my ugly a little bit tighter. On my bad days, I feel empty. And in 2020, these bad days, these bad days, they come so often that I don't even have them anymore. I just have good days and normal ones. And on my normal ones, I tend to question everything that's good. Like, for example, my ex. Like, he used to give me butterflies every time he sang me our song, but I couldn't help but question, these butterflies were never yours. Where did you ever steal them from these bad days? These bad days, they come so often that I don't even have them anymore. I just have good days and normal ones. And on my normal ones, I tend to question everything that's good. Especially happiness. I mean, they say happiness is a choice, but if happiness is a choice, then then when did I choose to be sad? If if happiness is a choice, then when did mine become a lost voice on a ballot that I did not vote for or programmed into a device that I do not have the remote for? If the happiness in a user can be created or configured, then, then when did depression become my default setting? Bexy Bex, thank you so much for performing that piece. That is... um a really wonderful piece like it was whilst we were kind of listening back to that you were like oh why did I write such sad stuff but 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 honestly I think it's a beautiful piece right do do you like um do you do you find that writing process really helps kind of um deal with those types of emotions mm, mm-hmm. no 100% I like it's there's something very cathartic about writing as a process in itself it's like before I used to write after the fact so it would be like, yeah, I would go through something, I would process the emotions, and then I would write about it. Um, but nowadays I'm finding like I'm finding more benefit in actually writing whilst I'm in the moment. And the <laughs> the poetry is not as good because it's not as polished and you don't have like this um skewed vision of what you were going through as if you when you were writing in the third person. Um, after the fact, when you're in the moment, it's, it's, it's a lot more raw, it's a lot more channeled and it's a lot more authentic, which is, which is basically like, um, the pillar stone of flow poets. It's like this just like continuous flow of consciousness. And it's just, yeah, here it is. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just, it's, it's there, it's real, it's authentic. And the more authentic you are, the easier it is to like carry on in life if that makes sense Mm. like you don't have to fake it you don't have to pretend so yeah (laughs) no I mean I I think you're right I I guess I hadn't really like um thought of the common link with the flow poets in that way but I think you're absolutely right like when you just said that I was like oh yeah (laughs) that kind of makes sense I think it's one of their hashtags like conscious collectiveness (laughs) oh right there you go um so uh one other thing I wanted to have a brief chat to you about is um obviously the kind of state of the scene right now isn't really happening but um and we've kind of spoken as well about how kind of uh, spoken word is still kind of the uh, like an underground type of scene. <laughs> what do you think uh, are the kind of chances of it kind of elevating and becoming potentially a bit more mainstream in the future? And what might the steps be needed in order to kind of reach there? Mm, see, like I'm, I'm very torn about that. It's like, yes, pay your poets. Um, make as much money as you can from poetry. But then there's that element of if it gets into the mainstream and it becomes this, um, let's say how like mumble rap is now, it, it will lose its essence and it will lose its, I, I can't say this word, genuinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it will, it will lose that, um, genuine aspect of it. So I'm very much torn, but. I'm really hoping that when the 
poetry scene does re-emerge that it will re-emerge with a lot more love and enthusiasm because I feel like prior to lockdown when I was going to shows it was just kind of like oh I'm coming to a poetry show I'm going to perform and then I'm going to leave like I'm there wasn't that I'm just here to enjoy words and speak my words and that love was kind of like dwindling Mm -hmm. so I'm hoping like they say absence makes the hearts grow fonder so maybe this time away from the live scene people will just like actually come out and enjoy going to a spoken word show it's like you're not coming just to perform you're coming to enjoy the atmosphere to enjoy the scene and to like really soak it all in and like vibe off the energy i'm really hoping that energy will come back once everything kicks off again that love give me the love <laughs> see this is why i do poetry because i can't sing it just reminded myself <laughs> no, you're right. i mean my, my, my hunch is it's going to come back with like an absolute yeah. fire belt but the, the only hindrance is of course when we can actually do that but we'll have to wait and see on that one um so look we reached the part where we hear your eyes and ears okay that's for you okay bexy bex so eyes and ears is the part of the show where we get a recommendation from our wonderful guests something for our eyes to feast on and something for our ears to find blissful so uh let's start off with our eyes bexy bex what have you got for us um i like i'm still stuck on this book that came out months ago like i might have been even last year um or this year no definitely it came out months ago um it's like it's a two-part series so the first one is children of blood and bone and the second part is children of virtue and vengeance and it is literally the best book my eyes have ever feasted on really is it a novel <laughs> like what's the what type of book is it? Mm-hmm. uh yeah it's um it's a novel um it's kind of like african spirituality and magic fiction with a few facts in it <laughs> yeah. so it's the author is absolutely amazing and her imagery i was just like am i in nigeria i'm not sure i had to open my eyes and be like nope still in london <laughs> Wait, who who's the who's the author? That is, I I was so transfixed by the title that I can't remember the author. <laughs> okay, well, I'm sure. <laughs> like by it's the such title. an iconic title, "Children of Blood and Bone." <laughs> Children of Blood and Bone. No, tell me, Agadebaye, and I'm really sorry if she's ever watching this. I just butchered your name. Hey, well, we've but, given her some free promo. Exactly. First okay. name T O M I. <laughs> okay cool well that sounds uh really really cool what have you got for our ears Bexy Bex? oh my god see now i've okay so like i'm really embarrassed because is, it, like what is we... it craig david <laughs> <laughs> how did you know <laughs> who told you <laughs> uh no kind of like the first one like she's Sudanese, so i should be able to pronounce her name but i cannot so i might spell it out but her name is jua saleh so D-U-A-S-A-L-E-H. And she's um, a Sudanese-American artist that um, my friend actually, Dia, um, sent to me on Instagram. She's like, she's Sudanese. I'm like, I'm Sudanese. She's like, listen to this. And I was like, it's amazing. Her album is, I, I can't even describe it. You just have to go and go to Spotify what, and search for it. What like rough kind of genre are we talking? That's the beauty of it. I Everything. have no idea. Like I do not have a clue what genre it is. It's like, rap rock hip-hop poetry yeah it's just brilliant it's amazing okay <laughs> say say her name again real quick i want to say jua saleh jua saleh yeah so d-u-a space s-a-l-e-h okay wicked well cool look those both of those sound really really cool um you guys listen at home take those away go and look them up you know why not get involved thank you for playing eyes and ears bexy bex okay so look we've now reached the very final part of the show and what we do here is just kind of look ahead um and this is a bit of a tricky question obviously because no one really knows what's going on right now but um what have you got a let's let's say plan for the future in terms of your kind of creative work um so like kind of like what we said before um like i love miss yankee she she like pushes and challenges me to express my poetry in a different form. Um, so 
there's a lot of project-based work that I'm working on, like short films, um, poetry films, um, videos for shit that I've written that I should have probably put out a long time ago. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of project-based work coming as opposed to, um, as opposed to live shows. And I will start doing Bexy blogs on my website www.bedroompoetry.com and and it's just basically like um a daily diary in poetry form so i will i will pick a topic and i will just discuss it but in a poetry form and it's like short clip videos great well all that sounds really really cool i'm so it's so excited to see some of these films you're doing with miss yankee that sounds epic um so look i wish you the best of luck with that we've heard three really really lovely pieces from you we've had silence 10 things and that last piece tribute um all, I, all we've got to say now is thank you very much for coming down bexy bex thank you um yeah it's been an absolute pleasure i wish you the best with those projects um and yeah we will see you all next week bye <laughs> cheers bexy bex <laughs>